Welcome to episode 53 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. We are here at our offices at 104 Broad Street, and I'm here with my dear brother and colleague, Pastor Ross Hodges. How are you doing, Ross? Doing well. Glad to be here. Wonderful. And I'm Pastor John Payne, and we don't have our other colleague, Gabriel Williams, with us. He's teaching this morning over at the College of Charleston, but we look forward to having him Uh, hopefully with us next time. This morning, uh, we are talking about the doctrine of sanctification in its relation to the doctrine of assurance. Uh, It's a very important topic and one that, of course, pastorally, we are dealing with regularly. Uh, But before we talk about uh, the doctrine of assurance in relation to sanctification, I think it's important that we define our terms. What, What is the doctrine of sanctification? Well, John, I am glad you asked. Our own standards, the Westminster Standards in the Shorter Catechism, has a brilliant answer, uh, clear and helpful. It says, sanctification is the work, and notice not like justification and act, but the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God, and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and to live unto righteousness. Now, uh, to, to make that a little bit uh, more in common language, it's saying that it's something that uh, sanctification is where God works uh, in us uh, by His grace uh, to where over time, uh, as we abide in Christ, as we grow uh, in uh, grace, um, that we are made more like Jesus, mm. made more into the image of God, and we uh, we mortify sin, uh, we die to sin, uh, we forsake sin, and instead uh, we pursue righteousness, we pursue uh, holiness and those things. And, but it's, a, it's something that happens throughout the Christian life, unlike justification, unlike adoption, unlike regeneration, which are things that are uh, from the acts of God's grace in Christ that he uh, declares uh, because of uh, because of Christ and the faith that He works in us to receive the gift of Christ's righteousness, uh, it's something that is ongoing in our life. And um, notice Ross said it's notice Ross said it's over time uh, and not overnight. Yes, <laughs> uh, this this process takes takes a lifetime. And uh, Heidelberg Catechism, I think, mentions that. Even at the end of our lives, uh, it's we've but started uh, in this. Indeed. And of course, when we die and we are translated into glory and we are given new bodies, our, our souls will be uh, completely set free from any indwelling sin and we will be perfected and we will uh, give God glory in that day. Uh, can't wait <laughs> for that day. Uh, sanctification is such an important doctrine and there are there are means by which we are sanctified, just like a a plant needs uh, good soil and water and sunlight to be able to, to grow in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Christians will only grow in a healthy way with certain means. And those are uh, the word, especially the preaching, the faithful preaching of the word of God, mm-hmm. uh, prayer, and the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Uh, all which lead us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yes. Christ is the object uh, of our sanctification. We uh, see, see the gospel as the, the primary means by which we are uh, 
made aware of our need because of our sin and of course pointed to the solution to our Amen. our sin which is uh, the blessed lord jesus christ our lord and savior why is it important to to define sanctification like this uh has sanctification taken a a bad turn in our day well yeah yeah yes <laughs> it's important um, one, because it's biblical and it's it's something that which God's word emphasizes uh, all over that, that God desires his people to be holy to to live as worthy of uh, the calling uh, with which we've been called and those sorts of things. Um, but it's something that e- even in our own circles uh, in the PCA and uh, other you know Bible believing uh, circles uh, it today has it, it's become something that is a bit unpopular. Uh, something that can feel to some people like uh, legalism or sort of beating people over the head with holiness, um, and that's somewhat understandable. A lot of a lot of folks have come out of backgrounds where there was the wrong sort of emphasis on holiness, the wrong sort of understanding about what holiness is, what sanctification is. Uh, emphasis placed on lots of externals, missing the heart, and an emphasis placed on uh, obedience as a way that that you make God happy with you mm-hmm. and that you have a secure position before him. And so we understand people coming out of those kind of backgrounds would react against anything that they they feel sort of smells of that. And yeah, I mean, let's be, let's, let's be straightforward, right? I mean, there are some traditions uh, and some congregations, even within our own tradition, yeah. that would have a kind of suffocating approach to, to piety yes. and to the Christian life where you're, you feel like almost like a new law is being placed upon you because the gospel is not being emphasized in worship. It's not being emphasized in the discipleship of the church. Really, what's being emphasized is a kind of do this and don't do that uh, body yes. of teaching. And the gospel is always assumed, but never preached and taught. Yes. And so you grow up in an environment like that. When you start actually hearing the gospel preached, it's like your heart's been set free and you have, have come to a new place where you're not feeling like you're under God's condemnation anymore. You actually are, are in Christ. And while both traditions or both congregations might say, yeah, we believe the gospel, one could be clearly communicating that and the other not. Yeah. And it makes it two very different contexts, right? So I think what you're talking about, just to help our listeners understand, some people feel suffocated uh, and, and, and burdened by the kind of approach to uh, the Christian life that uh, that is being given to them by their church. Yeah, and when, when somebody comes out of that background, the tendency is for the pendulum to swing mm. to the other side. And so it, it was an unhealthy... That happens? Well, you know, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> the... It, the, the the unhealthy imbalance on the one side is saying, yeah, we believe the gospel, but we're not really going to talk about it. We're just going to talk about holiness and sanctification and what you should and shouldn't be doing. That's right. all we're going to talk about. And we're not going to even really ground that into Christ. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is where, this is, this is how we, we just yell at you all the time for what you should be doing. So the pendulum is on the wrong side there and it swings, but it keeps going. And so the imbalance can become, well, we're not going to talk about anything you should or shouldn't do. We're only going to talk about justification. We're only going to talk about Christ dying for you and that Christ fulfilled the law. And and we're going to just leave it there. You know, that happened. That's happened in the PCA. And um, some of our listeners may be familiar with the Gospel Reformation Network, the GRN, which you're involved with. Uh, that's how the GRN 
grew into existence is there was a group of concerned ministers who came together and said, whoa, there's, there's so much emphasis now only on justification to the exclusion of sanctification, to the exclusion of ever speaking about the Christian life, that it's become unhealthy and imbalanced. Because the gospel, as, uh, as the church has held for ages, includes the fact that you aren't just delivered from the power, the penalty of sin, you're also delivered from its power, and you are to become more and more like Christ and those sorts of things. And, uh, and so the groups like the GRN, or the, uh, maybe there are others, but the GRN stood up and said, well, wait a second, there's, there's an imbalance here. Let's, let's go back to the basics. Yeah, and it's so important that we recognize, as you said before, that the gospel, the good news of the gospel, is not just that in Christ we are justified, but also that in Christ we are sanctified. Uh, we're not left in our mess. We're not to, uh, to you know, was it Romans 6, you who have died to sin, how can you still live in it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And the Bible is so against this kind of antinomian or against the law uh, ism kind of teaching. Yeah. Uh, we uh, believe that the gospel, as you said, sets us free from both the penalty of sin and the power of sin. It's it's really not good news to say, hey, guess what? Jesus died for your sins, and now you are just going to stay acting like a sinner the rest of your life. You're going to stay angry. You're going to stay addicted. You're going to stay broken in a mess and all those things. That that's, re- that's really not good news. Yeah, as Paul, uh, in several of his epistles, lists various sinful patterns of behavior or lifestyles, homosexuality being one of them, he says to the believers, and these things you once were. Yes. uh, There is a, uh, you know, uh, Ephesians 2 verse 1, and you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So you don't remain dead in your transgressions and sins and in bondage to the sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil when you have been united to Christ. In Christ, we are set free from those things. Do we still struggle with remaining indwelling sin? Of course. Of course we do. But that's different than saying that we are in utter bondage to it, which is where we are before we are united to Christ and born again. So there's a lot of erroneous teaching that's connected with the doctrine of sanctification, and it's important, uh, I think, to, to talk about it more and more. A lot of good books are coming out uh, recently. The Whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's another one, Devotion to Christ, maybe. Uh, Devoted to God. Devoted to God. That's yeah. what it is, by Sinclair Ferguson as well. It's a very helpful book. Um, Kevin DeYoung's uh, Hole book, Hole in Our Holiness, is a fantastic book. So if you're listening to this and you'd like to, to, to think more about uh, this doctrine of sanctification, I would encourage you uh, to read uh, one of those books and hopefully help you Uh, to think through these things more deeply. But this morning we want to talk especially about the doctrine of sanctification in relationship to assurance. Uh, This is a pastoral question that we're always asking. How can we best encourage people with their growth in Christ in relationship to assurance? Because there are some who have very, very tender consciences which would always be doubting whether or not they are truly Christians based upon the way that they are living and the fruit of the way they're living. Now, from, from the perspective of the outsider, they may be watching this, this, this man or woman and say, this is one of the godliest people I know. Yes. And even so, they don't view themselves like that. They never think they're doing enough. They never 
uh, believe that they're bearing the kind of fruit that needs uh, to be brought forth uh, to be a, a, a credible Christian, as it were. And, uh, and then you have the other uh, extreme, which we, I think we see more of, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that is that there's a kind of flippant assurance that says it doesn't really matter how you live and of course God has accepted me and he doesn't he's not really concerned about the way I live and what what commands I obey or disobey uh, because Christ died for me and I've got my fire insurance in my back pocket sort of thing I I walked down that aisle 15 years ago and I'm safe because the minister told me I was Uh, so let's 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 unpack this this doctrine of assurance a little bit in relationship to sanctification how does assurance relate to sanctification well, let's go back to your first example, those uh, folks who have tender consciences. And um, uh, again, going back to the Westminster Standards, there's, uh, there's a section which it admits that, you know, that sometimes there's just people who struggle with assurance. And that is, in, in God's mysterious providence, um, that is part of what they will struggle with in this life. Just as all Christians struggle with different things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so um, th- there may be uh, someone who, in, in one sense, from the outside, in, in no fault uh, or no lack of sanctification happening in their life, you know, no ongoing sin patterns that are unrepented of and those things. But yet, just because of the general uh, nature of, of their heart and the tenderness of conscience, they're going to they're going to struggle with this uh, either from time to time or perhaps in, even in an ongoing manner, and the answer uh, really while there's no silver bullet that just automatically flips a switch and wipes things away, um, the answer is is to to look at Christ and to remember the cross and to remember the gospel message that that God loves you and therefore He sent His Son for you, who kept the law for you who died for you, and who was raised again and ascended up into heaven and even now intercedes for you. He is your assurance. Mm. He is your life. In Him you are hidden. Uh, In Him you are accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, He is the proof of God's love for you, that you will never be uh, uh, forsaken by God. Mm-hmm. And that's a message that uh, we need to hear and receive over and over. All of us do, really. But especially those who have tender and afflicted consciences need to remember the nail-scarred hands for them. Mm-hmm. And the tendency, of course, for those who struggle with assurance in this way is to be uh, deeply introspective. Yes. And what you're talking about is being extrospective. Yes. Looking outside of yourself and, and, and to Christ. Yes. Uh, so... So the first, the primary way that we are assured of our salvation and that we grow in assurance in relation to our sanctification is by looking to Christ through his means of grace. Look for Christ in the preaching of the word. Look for Christ in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Look for Christ as you ask, seek, and knock in prayer. Uh, These are the means that God has attached his gospel promises to and so we should make use of them if if you struggle with assurance and you're in church once a month then you're going to more deeply struggle with assurance because you are being neglectful of the very means that god has provided to strengthen that assurance and to give you that sense of closeness to god yes and i think we could also say along with that if if you struggle with assurance and you're in a church 
where the gospel isn't really clearly being preached. It's more kind of moralism or, you know, the do this and do that sort of thing. With, or entertainment. Or entertain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or entertainment or whatever it happens to be. But but Christ isn't being exalted. The cross isn't being preached. Um, if, if you're not regularly coming to the Lord's table uh, and having Christ exalted and, and proclaimed for you there, then then you should seriously consider finding a church where where that it, that is happening. So we look to Christ as the primary object of gaining and growing in assurance, but we also look to fruit. Yes. We also look to fruit. We, we, we cannot ignore that. The Bible clearly teaches that. And perhaps this would be something that we want to tell that second group. Yes. Is that, you know, you really shouldn't be so confident in your profession of faith if there is not clear fruit in your life. And and so we would say to both the person struggling with assurance as well as a person who is uh, perhaps being arrogant and having assurance mm-hmm. without any real fruit, that that is an important aspect of sanctification and assurance is identifying and recognizing the fruit of your salvation. Absolutely. Jesus says as much, doesn't he? You know, by, your fruit, by their fruit, you shall know them. The, yes. You, you have... It, it, Jesus is saying, if you claim to be one of mine, then then you need to look like one of mine. Yes, you, know, you, you can't uh, you can't claim to be a Christian and and look like you're not a Christian. It just it doesn't work that way. In John 15, in the famous sort of passage about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches, um, he says this: By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples yes as the father has loved me so have i loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love these things i have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full so here we have language about obeying uh, commandments and bearing fruit and proving to be a disciple of Christ. So, you know, once again, we look to to First Peter, and we see there in actually Second Peter chapter one, this same kind of of theme is before us, uh, where. Peter writes, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Mm -hmm. To make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. What qualities? Well, he has just uh, mentioned uh, in verses 5 and following, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that word fruit again. Um, So what we see here in this relationship to assurance and sanctification is, yes, the first and primary way you gain assurance is by looking to the person and work of Jesus Christ through word and sacrament mm-hmm. and abiding in him. But also, secondly, um, 
there is the obeying of God's commands, not to earn your redemption, not to gain your salvation, not to cooperate with God for your salvation, mm -hmm. but because you are saved, because you are in Christ, you are bearing the fruits of righteousness. You are, as Westminster says, conf uh, dying more and more to sin and living more and more to righteousness and being conformed more and more to the image of Christ. Yes. And what that does is it makes your calling and election sure, not... In heaven, but in our hearts. Not sure in the sense that God is putting the last few pieces of your salvation in place as you as you bear good fruit. Right. But in the sense that you are seeing that, yes, I am been redeemed. I am being transformed by Christ. Yes, your calling and election is being made more and more sure as you live the Christian life, as you persevere, as your faith holds up under difficult circumstances and so forth. God uses that. He tests us. First yes. uh, Peter chapter 1, you know, our faith goes through the fire as it yeah. was, and the dross is removed, and we're stronger as we come out of difficult circumstances. God uses all of these things. Romans 8, the Spirit of God testifies with our spirit that we are yeah. children of God. James, the, the whole emphasis in James on faith and works, he's not contradicting the exposition of justification elsewhere is by grace alone through faith alone. What he's saying when he says that faith without works is dead is that it's that's it's a it's a contradiction. If you have faith, you are going to have works. It, it, there, it's it's a a logical conclusion to say that if there are no works in your life, if there is no fruit in your life, then then you should be doubting that there is something alive there. Yes, uh, a, a fruit tree that doesn't bear fruit is either not a fruit tree. You've either mis, you know, misdiagnosed it as a fruit tree, or it's a dead fruit tree. Yes. And so th the point that we would make again, we, we're we're not speaking to those who have extremely tender consciences and and are already doing lots of introspection. We're speaking mm -hmm. to those people who uh, who really are, are playing cavalier with being cavalier with the grace of God and, and may at times be struggling with assurance because they are oftentimes not pursuing Christ. In fact, they're going the opposite direction, pursuing sin. They're, they're, they're rarely in church or they're living with the, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever it happens to be. They're living a lifestyle that is actually inconsistent at a lot of points with a Christian profession. And so if they're struggling with assurance, we say, well, of course you're struggling with assurance. Mm -hmm. you, you have not gospel fruit that is visible in your life. And there are times when the scripture calls people in those uh, situations to examine themselves, mm. to see, are you in Christ? Mm. You're living this way, and that should be a wake-up call to you to say, well, am I actually in Christ? Yes. And it's not a question of whether Christ's merits are uh, good enough for me, or am I elect, or it's not that question. It's a question to, to say, have I really believed the gospel? Have I really repented of my sin? Because if I'm still living in it, then it, mm. there's, this ten, there's a great tension there. Yes, no question. Well, this has been a very uh, helpful conversation uh, for me and uh, so thankful uh, for the opportunity uh, to be able to discuss these, these matters that really matter. You know, we've got the 24-hour news cycle filled with all kinds of things and uh, so little of it really matters from one day to the next. But you know what? This matters. Mm. Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. 
our growth in Christ as Christian believers, our assurance that we are loved by him and kept by him, these things really matter. And so we ought to, we ought to take the time. And I want to encourage our listeners to take the time to, to think through these things and to think deeply about these things. You know, turn off the, the sitcom and uh, put down the, uh, the Sports Illustrated and, uh, and, and think about uh, these things because as you do, you will only grow more deeply in your love for the Savior because He is a great Savior. We're glad you joined us uh, this week on Between the Times, and we hope uh, to be with you next time.